0: What's up, Whisper Nation, and welcome into the part two of the Week Eleven Matchup Show. My name is Big Trav, you can find me on Twitter at Big Travi TFW. I'm joined by Austin Seer, who you can find on Twitter at us Austin underscore R underscore right Seer. I'm trying to get through it without botching your your tag each time, but that's something. My dude, my up. name does not frog. have a ring
1: to it. Yeah. Austin R Seer. It's like yeah, yeah it doesn't it doesn't work that well. I like my dad's like when he went by Dick, just Dick Seer. Well, that's good. Like,
0: yeah, it's easy. Boom. We're in and we're out. Um, but yeah, so I'm joined by Austin here today. We're going to be talking the part two of the week, uh, week 11 matchups, all the fantasy football implications. As always, if you want more of this, you want part one, head on over to Spotify where you got this thing or patreon.com Subscribe at the $10 level. You get the full video. You know how it goes, guys. We're going to get into every start sit relevant question here, but if you like fresh fantasy football content, head on over to YouTube, subscribe to the YouTube channel there. We're getting out stuff daily. Austin and I just got done with the Thursday night preview, which you guys can probably see there if you're catching this before the game. It was an awesome, awesome show, and we do so many live shows throughout the week that are just great. Um, So get on over there. Anyways, Austin, let's get into this. Our first matchup is the Minnesota Vikings hosting our Green Bay Packers here. Love the Green Bay Packer beanie. You're catching that on Patreon if you're seeing it right now. 49.5 point over under here for Minnesota. And Green Bay just favored by 2.5 on the road. Mm -hmm. Austin, it could be because Aaron Jones is ruled out of this game, probably the next couple of weeks. The bye is in a few weeks. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of people are asking is AJ Dillon poised for that mega boss day in maybe yeah. a couple of weeks? Um, We look at the Aaron Jones situation set to miss that week. Obviously, the bye coming around the corner. Maybe not going to be back till week 14 against Chicago. Yeah. Dylan is now likely to get a majority of the work, Austin. This is a prime reason why he was one of the most valuable handcuffs in fantasy football. Because if last week was any indication or small taste of what's possible, he saw his highest snap share last year. AJ went for 23 touches, 128 total yards, and two touchdowns. We look at this matchup, Austin. It's a real good one, too. Minnesota top 12 in points. Points allowed to the running backs, and we're ready to watch Dylan feast in this one in a divisional battle. But Austin, when we look at the rest of the offense, it's kind of the same question. We know it's AJ Dylan, we also know it's Devontae Adams. Anything else there for you?
1: No, it's really just Adams and uh, A.J. Dillon here for me. I would still be starting Aaron Rodgers, Stu. I know that he's had a couple of down weeks, but uh, there are real reasons for those down weeks. Uh, COVID, not having Devontae Adams and Alan Lazard going back uh, before the bye there to uh, the game against Arizona, not before the bye, but just a couple weeks back there against Arizona. So, yeah, I'm still starting Aaron Rodgers. I'm starting Devontae Adams. I'm starting A.J. Dillon. But that's going to be it for me. Just a really quick stat here on the wide receivers. Well, all of the playmakers and their target distribution. Adams has 103 targets on the season. The number two option on the team is Aaron Jones with 48. Ooh, Reminded that was 103. And then the next uh, was a running back with 48. Cobb comes in third with 32 targets on the year. So that's how uh, outside of Adams. That's how we're bad looking. it
0: is outside of Adams, man. You know,
1: and yeah, like if 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 Devontae Adams Wright was out, like we'd expect more from MBS. We'd expect more from Lazard. That hasn't been the dynamic. All If Adams has been And also MBS weeks, been, been
0: hurt a little bit, but I don't think he's yeah. that demanding of a player to come back in and like establish himself. But
1: they're all here. They're all healthy. They're all good. And if that's the case, I'm loving Adams. I'm loving Dylan. I'm liking Aaron Rodgers because he is dealing with a toe and he still hasn't fully recovered from the COVID impact. So I don't love him, but this is the reigning MBS. He has been kicking ass at points during the season. Um, You know, there is you you always should consider who your best available start at every position. Quarterbacks, no exception. I just don't have a problem starting Aaron Rodgers. I'm not expecting uh, the best performance of the season this week, Uh, Mm -hmm. but I think he's going to do okay. even though last week's Seattle game was also a weird one there because of the game flow nature and how that shook out
0: the environment in this game looks to be a little bit better in a dome mm-hmm. in a division mm-hmm. against a division rival could be a, a little bit of a shootout. I like this spot for Rogers. And I agree yeah. with you that he's a little bit better than some of our low end QB ones we're looking at anyways, uh, on the Minnesota side of the football. I want to talk a little bit about these wide receivers because we've seen an up and down performance out of Thielen in the last few weeks, but I'll tell you what, Justin Jefferson remaining a wide receiver one after two down weeks, we told you to go try and buy it. If it was possible, uh, go buy Justin Jefferson. He's he had, his, he had his fourth double-digit target game last week and therefore his fourth game over 19 PPR fantasy points. So Justin Jefferson just absolutely balling as we thought he might in this offense being the true alpha. But Thielen yeah. hasn't been bad either in his down games. He's dipped down to P, uh, the wide receiver 16 in points per game but he remains consistent and he's likely going to stay within his range. He's a solid must start most weeks. He's cleared seven targets, 65 yards or a touchdown in four straight games. So Thielen's still doing what he needs to do to remain in your lineup. This is a tough test for the wide receivers. They've been, uh, you know, Green Bay been the fifth best team against wide receivers. This smells like a Dalvin cook game, which I'll allude to, or which I'll talk about a little bit here soon, but, I'm not scared off of these wide receivers. Uh, The second highest over under on the week. uh, So we really like that. What about what these wide receivers mean? You know, and obviously to Kirk Cousins, are we confident in Cousins this week in that, in this nice game environment?
1: I'm aware of it, man. I have to say a divisional game is always one with a grain of salt that should accompany it because Mm. weird stuff happens. You know, we talk about the back in the, the Tom Brady and Bill Belichick New England days. And I remember they'd play like bottom barrel Miami and Miami would make it a game, you know, and they even pulled out a couple. I have some like childhood memories locked in and it was just like, these are professionals who take the game seriously and they're all really, really good at it. And when it's a divisional game, there's a, there's another element to it a lot of times I'll tell you it's just a game. And for some guys it is, but for people who are bought into the history and a lot of the players on both of these squads have been a part of these teams for their entire careers or the majority of them, at least uh, weird stuff can happen. Yeah. So with that, you got to take it with a grain of salt, but you know, you look at the last two years with Kirk cousins And in four games, Kirk Cousins has had only one game against the Packers with more than 12 and a half points. Uh, But he did have a 20-point game in his last game against the Packers last season. Uh, The Packers' defense, I think, is playing pretty well right now. And on year, they've led up the 24th fewest points to quarterbacks. Um, There are reasons, again, though, to really like this matchup. But there are also reasons here to fade on it for Kirk Cousins. Um, It would be a, am I streaming him or am I streaming somebody else kind of Mm -hmm. scenario? It's not a must-start. Um, It's not one, honestly, that I'm like through the moon excited about, but he certainly has stream appeal as a back-end QB one this week against the Packers. Speaking
0: of back-end one, uh, back-end tight end one has been Tyler Conklin a little bit as a streamer here. Are we – Thinking that Conklin, you know, I I see I hear your trepidation on Cousins and it actually is is turning me around on this actual game for Cousins. Are you feeling that same way about Conklin?
1: Yeah, you know, more or less. He's a streamer as well, and he maintains that streamer appeal. But we got to ground ourselves a little bit. His fantasy output last week was nice. 13 points and a a sizable 85 percent snap share. But he had just three catches for 11 yards in that game. So touchdown dependent uh, is, is he's, he is touchdown dependent and averaging less than four catches a game uh, for 39 yards uh, per game. He's, he's going to have to get that touchdown. He's gotten two in the last three games, but it's a tough thing to bank on when you're not an elite talent and your offense doesn't impose its will every single week. Yeah. Obviously Dalvin cook has missed some
0: time, Austin, and he's yeah. therefore an RB two based on overall. So. And, It's just been kind of weird. We're like frustrated with Cook a little bit. Let me tell you why, or actually I should say Rich Rebar told me why on Twitter. uh, Lord Reeb said, Dalvin Cook has been tackled at the one-yard line on a league-leading five times this season, and then he did not score a touchdown after that. So a little bit tilting here, and it does kind of smell like an opportunity for him to get right down the the next half of this year because those things tend to even themselves out. If you look at why we might have trepidation on Kirk Cousins, why he might have lower output in these games – It's because these have been cooked games for the Vikings against the Packers. We have consistently not been able to stop him in just two games versus the Packers last year, Dalvin cook had six touchdowns as a fantasy football manager. I love this matchup for cook and the Vikings as a Packers fan. I'm terrified that they are going to stomp all over us. We've had this facade of being really good against the run this year. I wonder mm-hmm. if that gets a little bit shredded in this game. We will see, but uh, utmost confidence in cook obviously going forward and in this game.
1: Yeah. I want to add in one really quick point on it. Cause the big news, obviously around Dalvin cook has been the legal issues that are starting right. to surround. Right. I want This is, this is not making a, comment on that situation which is truly tragic in so many ways we're here talking about fantasy football and the spreadsheet side of it but we're also factoring in some of these psychological implications to give you our best predictions um cook i see anybody who's dealing with such a sizable challenge in your life like this oncoming legal issue to take you one of two ways like it could be full distraction and it could just kind of sink you it could also be something that you then like Kind of try to steer away from and put all of your focus into your game, into your craft, and just stay busy. And you hear football players and athletes talk about this all the time like, life is hard, you know, I can run into the field, and like, that's where I can get away from it all. I think Galvin Cook is going to be leaning into football. As hard as he possibly can, the rest of the season. I think he's, I think he's primed for a, a fantastic fantasy Yeah,
0: I, th- I think as long as the legal issues stay away and we get in this situation yeah. where it's going to be something like that, then I think that's uh, you're absolutely right. He'll lean into that. Moving on to the next game on the schedule, we have the Chicago Bears hosting the Baltimore Ravens. This is a forty five point over under. Chicago are big home underdogs here to the Ravens, who are six and a half point favorites. Uh, I wanted to talk first about these pass catchers, and obviously we know Mark Andrews is a top three auto start even in a tough matchup against chicago he remains in your lineup giving what his touchdown upside is just his ability monitor lamar jackson as well who's been at home with an illness another illness non-covid related i mean this guy gets stomach bugs and flus all the time you just hope that this guy's healthy and and getting what he needs to you know the fluids and everything he needs to do to get it right so we don't wish anything ill will on him but want to talk about his pass catchers right now. Rashad Bateman in specific. Uh, Bateman breakout is happening, man. We waited and we waited on this guy. And unlike some of the other guys that were in Baltimore, like I think of Rashad Perriman, he has been worth the wait. Uh, 10 or no, more just wait for Rashad, yeah, boy, yeah, just waiting, uh, uh, No, for My boy. Ten or more fantasy points in three straight games for our guy here, Bateman. Not seen fewer than six targets in, in and has eight in back-to-back games. He's cleared 50 yards in three straight and 80 yards in two of his last three. Hmm. So we really like what's uh, been shown on tape here, what's going on. So logically, we might ask: are we concerned with Hollywood Brown? I am not, because the dude is still quality balling over the same or quietly balling over the same amount of time because 12 targets in three straight and he's cleared 80 yards himself in three of his last five he still remains a top eight option in both formats we will need to monitor hollywood brown's thigh as he's missed two sessions as of this recording but rashad has become as a much improved version of the sammy watkins role we saw from earlier this year yeah And then you look at Chicago-Austin. They're one of the teams getting absolutely torched by wide receivers. They've allowed the third most points per game with 27 and the fourth most touchdowns to the wide receiver position with 12 this year. I like both Bateman and Hollywood to get home here, and I really, really like Bateman if Marquise Brown were to sit in this game. But we're actually starting to see some stuff. I mean, Le'Veon Bell cut this week. Latavius Murray should come back. But Devonta Freeman kind of been the most usable
1: guy for this backfield that's been really ugly all year long. Yeah, I'm really encouraged uh, by with Devontae Freeman moving forward and especially after the release of Le'Veon Bell. Devontae Freeman has had over 10 carries in his last two weeks, and Bell was the only other half-pack involved. Uh, someone could enter the usual committee later on. You mentioned Latavius Murray. It always could be somebody else, too, like Tyson Williams. Who are you, and then where'd you go? Uh, but at this point in time, the job looks to be Freeman's, and he hasn't been awful with the opportunities, averaging 60 yards the last two weeks with a little over 10 carries and two targets coming his way as well. Now it is the Lamar Jackson's team, and we know the ability he has near the goal line, uh, as well as the rest of the field to rush the ball. So I'm giving Devontae Freeman the floor play flex option label, but you could do worse.
0: Yeah, I kind of want to. I'm interested to see if Freeman now with Murray back can still solidify as the guy that's usable in this offense. So we'll be monitoring that closely and see what happens there. On the mm-hmm. other side, I've been looking at our boy Justin Fields, and look, I know I've said this before, but. Fields is warming up here. Fields is coming off his bye, averaging nearly 22 points before in the two weeks prior. He also has 18 carries for 108 rushing yards in those two games. And he scored as well with a nice run against the Niners. That was kind of like the. Mm-hmm. chef kiss of what he was able to do uh, in college. Things are warming up for Fields as the weather for Chicago go- does the opposite. I really like what we've seen here out of Fields. Baltimore quietly leaking points to the QB position over the last few weeks, and now they're top 10 in points allowed at the position with 18.9. He's on the streaming radar for me this week. Like he, He's worth a stream in a lot of formats this week, um, especially with the rushing floor that he's been able to mm-hmm. acquire here. But we get Monty back, Austin. We got him back last week. They had the bye. He's fully healthy. This looks like a a set it and forget it with David Montgomery here.
1: You're feeling really good about David Montgomery. What was supposed to be just a warm-up game there in his return. Monty led the team with over 16 carries for 63 yards. Not bad. With another 17 through the air. Like to see it, this was before the bye. And this week, going up against Baltimore's middle-of-the-road rush defense, I'm expecting a pretty big day out of David Montgomery, Travi.
0: Yeah, I I would agree with you there. I want to talk a little bit about Darnell Mooney. We talked about Bateman's breakout happening. Mooney's trying to do a little mini breakout here. As fields heated up, so has Mooney uh, over the last few weeks. He's got touchdowns in two of his last four, six or more targets in four of his last six, double-digit fantasy points in three of his last four. We are looking at Allen Robinson. He's probably not going to go here. He hasn't he hasn't practiced yet since of this recording with the hamstring. He's yet to clear 50 yards only three times this year and only has a touchdown in one game. A Rob is just not happening this year, I feel like. And Mooney tends to kind of be the guy benefiting from that as the one with the somewhat chemistry with fields. Part of Baltimore's defensive woe has been their inability to stop wide receivers at the time, nearly allowing 172 receiving yards per game to the position. I like Mooney as a flex this week and a more sure flex. If Allen Robinson's miss uh, Allen Robinson were to miss. Moving on to the next game, Austin, we've got the Las Vegas Raiders hosting the Cincinnati Bengals in a 49-point over-under. The Bengals are one-point favorites on the road after the bye. This sets up to be a sneaky shootout here. I think I kind of like some pieces of this offense, and we won't go much further than the stars of the show, the wide receivers it looks like for the Bengals. Obviously, Jamar Chase, but T. Higgins has been a – by low candidate in the last few yeah. weeks because of his usage how are you seeing this wide receiver uh room shake out for this game
1: yeah you know we've talked about this group i think the narrative maintains but there's a little bit of adjustment that should be taking place you know so we've got three great wide receivers and yeah, just got to give a shout out to joe mixon because this guy's kicking ass as well yeah. uh, he's doing really good work over there but yeah t higgins jamar chase and tyler boyd would be those three of course and we've said jamar chase is a wide receiver one knocking on the door of elite T Higgins is a wide receiver too, with some upside might be slipping a little back into the flex option with real upside there. And then Tyler Boyd is a, what the heck flex type of player for me, you know, one point last week, but 14 points the week before that kind of needs a touchdown. He's only broken hundred yards. Once He's only broken actually 75 yards one time this season. Uh, so he, he but he always has that ability because of how this offense moves. Um, I want to give a shout out to that point you mentioned though about T. Higgins. Mentioned him being a buy low. I think that T. Higgins is still a buy low candidate, and I think that it could flip though this week. So if you have an opportunity to go to pick up T. Higgins, I would try to do it. Now here's why: this is a highly touted receiver who is now getting forgotten about a little bit because of Jamar yep, Chase, yep. you know, who's taken third overall and all of the accolades and recognition that that should come Jamar Chase's way. But don't sleep on T. Higgins. This is a six foot four second year wide receiver um, who's been playing well and has the exact same amount of red zone targets as Jamar Chase. They both have ten, uh, and Jamar Chase only has a, a handful more of targets total on the season than T. Higgins does. Total targets sixty for. T. Higgins, 70 for Jamar Chase. So, relatively close, just a couple more targets per game, not even that, just like one more target per game um, over the course of the season thus far. So, T. Higgins hasn't gotten it done. You know, Jamar Chase is a top 10. Good luck trying to get him. He's super fun. He's super sexy. There's a lot of encouragement going forward, but T. Higgins is right now the number 47. Wider sprint standard number 43, but he's still getting great volume. He's on a great offense. He's got a great skill set. I think he's going to have a better second half really quickly on Jamar Chase. You know, kind of funny. He had his career high 13 targets last week, but then also a career low of 49 yards. Uh, a yeah. second or a nearly career low, second lowest of the entire time. So I've been saying all year what happens when we finally feed Jamar Chase. Well, we learned that he pukes all over the table. Like, no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Like, it was a weird game, obviously, before the bye, and I'm really excited for what this could mean for Jamar Chase's finish. I would love to see that dude getting 10-plus targets moving on just because of his big play-makeability. Um, yeah, the Bengals are somebody that's set up a little
0: bit weirdly. They have a rough schedule as far as a passing offense for the down the stretch here, but we know this team wants to pass, and they have the weapons to do it, so it'll be interesting to see if both Higgins and Chase continue to see the volume, if both of them can maintain kind of their stature atop the wide Wide receiver rankings going forward wanted to ask you quickly about uh cj Uzuma, who yeah. it
1: was a streaming option it was fun while it lasted do we think mm-hmm. that's still a possibility here I loved streaming him in Dynasty. He's he's I've been I've dropped him a couple weeks ago, and I'm not looking back. I'm looking elsewhere for the volume because Uzuma doesn't really have very much of it. Fun midseason pop of a storyline, but he's averaging just 34 yards per game, including with that pop. And and there's a lot of other talented weapons on this team, and there's probably better options on your waiver wire.
0: Yeah, I want to – obviously, Austin, you mentioned Joe Mixon. I didn't mean to throw any shade at Joe Mixon and say he's not the best player on the team. But obviously, you know, Shamar Chase has been really fun. T. Higgins really fun as well. We're not talking about Mixon because if you need uh, – you know, you're putting him in your lineup. You're obviously putting him in there. We are having questions about Joe Burrow, the other mm-hmm. Joe on the Bengals right now because after five straight weeks, over 20 fantasy points leading into week nine – Burrow reminded of reminded us of his floor against Cleveland. He was picked off twice failed to throw a passing touchdown for the first time all season. in fact Austin he had posted two or more touchdowns in every game before that so, With the bad game and then all those good games before it, I kind of like Burrow in a get right environment Mm -hmm. here. The over under is nearly 50 points. The desert believes this game will be close. Raiders have given up eight touchdowns, two QBs over their last three games. And it wasn't just Mahomes' five touchdowns, or I'm sorry, nine touchdowns over the last three games. And it wasn't just Mahomes' five touchdowns. Daniel Jones and Jalen Hurts got home on him as well, or on the Vegas Raiders as well. So, like Burrow in this spot, I think you can have some more confidence in him. Awesome. When we move to the Raiders side of the ball, I wanted wanted to try and project Josh Jacobs here because he's sneakily been healthy over the last few. Mm -hmm. Uh, We haven't heard a lot of questions about his health lately, but uh, where are we at on his value? And especially in this
1: game, we've got a coaching shift in Las Vegas and we've got a culture shift possibly as well. And Jacobs is dealing with a bit of a kind of new injury. He's been dealing with ailments throughout the season just combine those variables of a recovering NFL body and a culture shift driven by a NFL head coaching change. And I'm just not totally sure how much weight each one of these current variables are going to have an impact there on the rest of the season. But I think that we need to keep an eye out for this. We've seen Kenyon Drake be getting more involved and it could lead way to a little bit more of a split down the road. That's what we've been looking at here recently this week though. I, I, I really like this matchup. It's great on paper as the Cincinnati Bengals defense has allowed the second most points to running backs uh, fantasy football wise in the last three weeks. I really Mm. do like that, but I'm just concerned about the opportunity ahead and what the expectations from this new coaching staff are for the running back that was taken first of the bunch by John Gruden.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like a spiteful, like they may not want to lean on him as much because he represents the old regime. So like should speak. they
1: even like, fine, yeah, like, but he's not amazing. He's not he's anything
0: amazing. world beater at this point uh, that we've seen, maybe not justifying his first round pick here. Want to talk about what I've called the roller coaster Raiders really within the pass catchers uh, and, you know, on and off the field, obviously. But Hunter Renfro here is my my take has been he's like this year's cole beasley with Mm -hmm. no stefan Diggs to compete with renfro has eight or more targets in all but Mm -hmm. three games and he only has one game under 10 fantasy points in ppr all year we look at brian edwards though who was an interesting waiver wire ad You know, Edwards, though he's been a promising player and he's shown flashes of upside all the way back to week one in the overtime game and the offseason where we're comparing him to Terrell Owens. How did he reward our hope so far by turning in only two games of double digit PPR fantasy points in the nine weeks after that? But that was until last Sunday night where Edwards caught four of his targets for 88 yards and a touchdown with rugs targets now vacated edward is finally you uh, he was finally used last week last sunday night as a deep threat and i think that could pose some big games for him down the stretch if they continue to do that uh like again four catches for 88 yards that's a really nice yards per catch um we talk about renfro i think he belongs in your lineup of ppr formats usually regardless of matchup given his production and his red zone prow- red zone prowess has ra- actually heated up over the last few games back-to-back scores edwards is on the what the heck flex we talked about our different flex radar here he's on the what the heck flex this week given his big play upside again with the up and down nature of this game this could be like a shootout again like we talked i'm getting a lot of questions and i'm also questioning myself darren waller because (laughs) uh we drafted him in the second round he's not really returning that value so far and we probably have to adjust our expectations unfortunately on waller given the new spread the ball uh focus on renfro offense that we've had this year He's had more volatility, but there is hope for an actual big rest of season for Waller. He remains top five in the following categories. He's first in target share, fourth in reception, fifth in receiving yards among tight ends, third in unrealized air yards, first in deep targets, and third in red zone targets. And Austin, he's only scored two touchdowns. This smells, like we talked about with Pitts, like a huge second half here for Waller. We talked about this a couple years ago with Julio Jones, CMC, that trade we made uh, in League of Record where these guys didn't score a lot during the first eight weeks, and then all of a sudden, they were scoring every week. These things tend to even out, and I think patience on Waller is the right call here.
1: Yeah, and I don't have any concerns about Darren Waller the same way that I did for Josh Jacobs, where you had some coaching ego connected to the opportunity that that play was going to get like Darren Waller has been called the greatest player that John Gruden coached but like it's still Derek Carr who's been throwing him the ball, right? You know, he has to make that choice to throw him the ball. And that's what Derek Carr has done over the seasons when Darren Waller has earned this increasing reputation and that's still the same type of connection. I agree 100% with everything that you're saying.
0: Yeah, and a quick point on Carr. You brought up Carr there. He remains an up and down streamer. 20 or more fantasy points in five of nine games this year, Austin, but then 14 or fewer in three games. So really he's like that hit or miss big time for you. Last week, he nearly got all the way home against the Chiefs and actually would have gotten all the way there if Waller touchdown didn't get called back if he still managed 19 points now he's going to get a Cincinnati defense it's top 15 in yards allowed to quarterback and that happens to be the strength of Carr because he's been a compiler this year near the top in the league in yards per game as a passer it won't be as pretty uh, but for the same reasons we like Burrow in this environment I think we like Carr as well moving on to the next game we have the Seattle Seahawks hosting the Arizona Cardinals and we, uh, this is a 49 and a half point over under, it's a two and a half point favor uh, favorite mark for the Arizona Cardinals, obviously mm-hmm. Kyler Murray is the question here and I'm, I'm just kind of looking at this situation I, I was, you know, assigned myself the Kyler take for this matchup I wanted to try and look up what we have, basically return to practice this week but Ian Rappaport has said that Kyler said he's close, but then Rappaport reminded everybody, look, the bye is next week so like we really yeah. don't know this is a strange one, because in the San Francisco Francisco game austin we saw the cards do their thing without him and then in the carolina game we saw them miss him dearly so the we talked about this on the live show too the divisional games count for a little bit more in tiebreakers sometimes and i'm wondering if the cards will push him to play in this game even though maybe they shouldn't maybe they should take the week off seattle has been a bottom 15 team they've been a tough defense and points allowed to quarterbacks Uh, but this is a really nice over under if kyler goes i'm trusting kyler in my lineup and then, you know, if he doesn't go, I am I guess I'm downgrading the pass catchers
1: in this potential shootout here, Austin. You just kind of have to with it, especially also impacting the pass catchers is going to be DeAndre Hopkins. Not looking that likely that he's going to play still recovering from that hamstring. I mean, Kyler have been in similar situations. Yeah. If Kyler's out, that's going to have an impact on all of the pass catchers. DeAndre Hopkins included if he's in. But Kyler is still out let's go with the scenario that Kyler is out and Deandre Hopkins is out as well. The impact this would have then on the other wide receivers for me, it's get Christian Kirk in your lineup. Kirk is the only wide receiver of the bunch that I would be actively targeting and starting. Um, Rondell Moore and AJ Green earn consideration, but they're just not leaned on enough in this offense for me to have to lean on them in my fantasy lineup. They have the upside, especially if Kyler is in, but the Cardinals don't care if they have big days. Some players are set to be some players, some players, a, a team assigns them to be the Tide. And it's like if you rise, we rise. And I think Christian Kirk gets a little bit of that based on like sheer necessity. We saw him last week at his eight targets. Uh, I I like the way that he would be involved in this offense. I think they would lean on him and go to him first. I I, I expect decent days out of other pass catchers, but I wouldn't try to peg it. It'd be a what the heck flex type of a less than desperate start from Rondell Moore, AJ green for me and those other options.
0: I like what you said here about like not really needing Kirk or or any of these guys, really AJ green really and Rondell Moore is what you said, not Kirk, not really needing those guys to get it done. It reminds me of the old Warriors strength and numbers kind of situation where you have your main vein and Steph Curry or Kyler Murray, and then you have ancillary pieces and really good pieces in like a Deandre Hopkins, Clay Thompson kind of situation where you're going to have to feed these guys and they'll go. But I do like Christian Kirk's outside ability here to get it done. He got it done with McCoy and with some trickery in the San Francisco game but obviously everybody rose or sunk with that ship as you said in the game against carolina so i wonder what happens here again the environment is nice here for kirk with or without murray we'll see how the line changes so i'd like to see how that that kind of goes here but i like what you said there about the ancillary pieces what about james connor we actually had a, a really nice question on the live show earlier today that was asking about trading away connor and you and i were both firmly like we don't need to trade away connor we don't need to think that it's some false bottom, Connor should continue this dominant season, really. And I, and I don't feel bad for saying dominant. He's really done what you want an
1: RB to do. Yeah, no, he's done that. And I think even more pre-injury to Chase Edmonds, Connor was putting up flexi numbers, uh, finding the end zone and, and being involved in that over there. Uh, and, and right now he leads the NFL with 11 rushing touchdowns, plus one more through the air. Now we've got Edmonds out. And with him sidelined, the the backfield is really James Connors. And and I'm putting James Connors as an RB1. I feel good about that because his floor is also elevated. We saw that last week. Despite only rushing for 39 yards, he scored yet another touchdown on the ground. He's really good at that. And they lean on him for that. Uh, Now he's uh, he's going up against the Seattle Seahawks defense that is giving up the second most points to uh, opposing running backs. Connor will once again be in line for a big game and for his fantasy managers. Man, I love him in this spot.
0: Yeah, I think this is a great spot. We've we've obviously seen Seattle get better on defense, but not in the running game. Still, there's still a sieve towards the running back. So I agree with you. I think it's a great spot for Connor and and moving forward here Mm -hmm. Uh, on the Seattle side of things. Russ, you know, we need to ask if he's going to be able to shake off the rust. I actually got this from Nate Burleson on CBS. You can't spell rust without R U S, And that's what we saw last week. Uh, Obviously, I don't believe that for Russ long term here he looked shaky at best though last week he was sailing balls rushing throws and looked just not as sharp here yeah. packers shut him out for the first time in his career austin 150 starts it was the first time he ever got shut yes. out you love that as a packers fan he completed only 50% of his attempts failed to throw for over 161 yards but again i don't want this to be a you know come at uh, russ wilson take here i i have to believe he gets right Although we have talked more before about this up and down play for him, you know, in segments of the year. And we Mm. know that this team is slow and we know they want to establish it. For me, I still think you have to get Russ in your lineup more times than not. But if you have decent options like Burrow hurts or a lower end QB one, I would put them in over Russ. AZ still allowing the fourth points per game, fewest to the position Um, and his, you know, it, He's kind of rushed back from this injury, it looks like, a little bit. So yeah. that would be my take on that. What about his wide receivers, though? Where is our, you know, pulse check here on the wide receivers? Because this was not a good game for our two alphas here.
1: No, it, it really wasn't. Um, but 161 yards from Russell Wilson to go along with his two interceptions really paints the picture of why DK and Lockett had such down games, even though they both collected eight targets a pop. You like that. I'm not concerned at all. I'm actually excited as Russell Wilson is officially back. And this week, I think he has a better chance of being performatively back, which means a nice days ahead for his wide receivers Lockett's going to remain a volatile high end wide receiver two, three and DK is that one.
0: Yeah. We like that there moving on to the running back position here, because we got to talk about it. Obviously Chris Carson, not practicing still doesn't look like he's going to get cleared. Uh, this is a weird situation. I wonder why they wouldn't just shut him down for the year with this kind of neck injury, but we'll see what happens there. Alex Collins though, been the backup and he's seen 10 or more carries in every game since week three, he's still averaging over four yards per carry. So he's not terrible. He's been dealing with a groin injury himself and that's going to need to be monitored. He has, doesn't look like he's going to miss though. They're pretty confident on his availability. Hmm. Arizona on the season has allowed the seventh fewest points per game to the position. But a lot of that is because teams have been scripted out. And now that we have Kyler maybe in or out or kind of, you know, nursing the injury, you look at them as an actual rush defense, Austin, they're rated as the second worst per PFF. So we know they're attackable on the ground. It's just teams have not been able to do it based on game script. We are fresh off of an embarrassing loss from the Seattle Seahawks that they Mm -hmm. suffered to green Bay. We love talking about it. I'll talk about it all game. All day long. But, (laughs) Pete Carroll was again for the 15th, 20th straight year in the row said, we need to run the ball more. And guess what? They said it again this week. And so if Seattle establishes it and sticks to that old man's wishes, I like Collins in this one as an RB two RB three, much more confidence in Collins. If Kyler sits because Seattle has a better shot of staying in the game and, you know, Seattle, uh, you know, has a better shot of establishing the run, so to speak. So we'll move on to the Kansas city chiefs hosting the Dallas Cowboys in Probably the game I'm most excited about on the schedule. This one looks really, really good. We saw Kansas City just get right against the Vegas, and I mean get right for the first time. Five touchdowns from Mahomes. That's a get right game for this offense we've been trying, to, and we'll talk about that in a second. A fifty-five and a half and a half point over under Austin. Kansas City favored by two and a half at home, and then you've got Dallas as the league leader in points per game, the league leader in yards per play, which we know is a great stat for offenses. And we've got Gallup returning to the offense, which means the wide receivers are, you know, uh, just an even more of a strength for Dallas. How do you see that affecting the wide receiving core, CeeDee Lamb, Michael, or uh,
1: Amari Cooper, and, and then Michael Gallup? Right. So I got CeeDee Lamb locked in your lineup as a must start. I've got Cooper as a wide receiver 2-3 with upside, of course. And Michael Gallup is a what-the-heck flex. It's not a less-than-desperate, it's not a sneaky flex because it, it, it's just who he is. It's a what-the-heck flex type of player given his third pass-catching option. He is the third pass-catching option there on the team. The reason why he stays a strong what-the-heck flex, though, and always maintains that upside. Quick reminder that just two years ago, Michael Gallup had 1,100 yards and six touchdowns uh, with over 16 yards per reception. You know, Mike McCarthy came in and said that Michael Gallup is a wide receiver one talent. And he's not going to get that volume, but he still does have that upside. And because it's a wide receiver, like, you know, the third option ends up getting 8, 9, 10 targets in a game. You're not surprised, but they're not going to be Game planning him in that kind of situation. So that's why he's a what the heck flex, not a recommended option. But if you're looking for somebody to fill in that ninth spot on your starting starting lineup, you could go worse other places with lower ceilings than Michael Gallup.
0: Yeah, I wanted to ask you if we're still worried about Dalton Schultz with all with Gallup coming in because that's that was my bet. You know, yeah. that if Gallup came back, Schultz was going to be the one who was kind of overachieving as it was or as it yeah. were. Uh, how,
1: how are we worried about Schultz here? I think that's a really logical way to put it. And I had done a breakdown on these guys in the, in the week or two ago. And, you know, I kind of looked at it and I said, well, we only have really one sample size. And that was week one where Schultz and uh, Gallup had played, played together pretty
0: well in that game yeah, yeah. they
1: did yeah six targets six receptions for uh Dalton Schultz and then that game seven targets uh four catches for Gallup no one did great but target wise distribution wise they still got quite a bit but the next game they played together which was last week told a completely different story where we had just two receptions on a season low one catch season low actually never mind uh it's 14 yards he did have 11 yards two weeks before that so it, it wasn't a good game for Schultz I, I think that there, there's no world you can tell me that Gallup's return is going to be good for, for Dalton Schultz. It, it, he's just not like the type of player that's going to get the Cowboys a bunch more first downs and more opportunities. It, it's it's going to hinder Schultz a little bit. I don't think it totally erases his value, but I'd call into question the amount of value Dalton Schultz just had to begin with. He is like that middle-of-the-road streamer with upside-ish, but upside, he, he doesn't have crazy playmaking abilities, He's not like the voluminous. He's not the the funnel for the right. team. He's not like the favorite target. He's 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 a back end tight end one streamer. That's what he is.
0: Yeah. I Yeah. And that the, we're so there's so many in that category now. So just like take your pick at the matchup and and play it that way. Roll the dice there. Um the rest of the offense is obviously the big the big guys, Dak, Prescott, Zeke. I'll start with Dak here. We got robbed of that true ceiling game we wanted last week as the Cowboys boat raced the Falcons. They got a defensive score, and they pulled Dak quickly yeah. from that game. Nevertheless, Dak now has 19 or more fantasy points in all but two games, and he's got 26 or more fantasy points in four spots this year. So we absolutely love that he is going to be able to get home, and this is a ceiling game for Dak because this team will be able to push Dallas the way they need to push him for you to get that ceiling out of him. Chiefs have been and second best matchup for opposing quarterbacks giddy up let's go for our mm-hmm. Cowboys want to touch in on the backs really quick because this could be end up being a tough spot for Zeke we know the Chiefs porous D past D has led to them being somewhat stout against running backs but again similar to the Arizona situation mm-hmm. uh, this is a bad graded rush defense so we know that Zeke should be able to get there if the game stays close and I think it will Look, he was deemed washed this offseason, and now he's the RB7 in points per game. He's third in red zone touches, sixth in routes run among running backs, and he's third in evaded tackles. Zeke is absolutely fine. He's paid the money to be the guy. He is the guy in here. Kansas City, Again, only allowing 17 points per game to backs, but you have a but they have allowed the fifth most receiving yards to the position this year. We talked about Zeke being able to run a lot of routes among running backs. This is a good spot for him. And it's also spelling a little bit of sneaky flex appeal for Pollard. He's cleared 30 receiving yards in three games this year and just posted 56 rushing yards. Or I'm sorry, receiving yards against Atlanta last week. So he's actually more of. I think he's more of a desperate flex because I do think this ends up being a little bit more of like the big – big. you know, in these games, we get our guys, our studs end up getting it done for us. Yeah, And I think that would qualify Zeke as the stud here, even though Pollard's one of the best backups in the game. Mm -hmm. On the Kansas City side of the ball, Austin, our big three got right. We talked about Mahomes. He went nuclear for five touchdowns last year. Uh, that was his first game over two tutties since week four. Offense finally seemed to simplify. They threw the backs. They threw the tight ends. Uh, they hit the big plays. They got everything done they needed to do. Chiefs offense looking you know, back to its normal form. Dallas has allowed bottom 15 production to quarterbacks, but I don't care. That's mostly due to competition. We don't really care here. We don't care about Reek or, Ty- or Kelsey not saying we don't care about him. We just don't care. To like to downgrade them in any way because you stars, like breathing air in the morning? Yeah. Do you like fantasy points? Then you're starting Tyreek, you're starting Travis Kelsey. Obviously, they've been unaffected. Get your popcorn ready, though. I did want to just note because Trayvon Diggs will be battling up against Reek. Trayvon Diggs, obviously leading the league in interceptions this year, been you know a defensive player of the year candidate. I'm really excited to see him up against Tyreek, who just continues to burn ple- people. Fun as well. game. Yeah. And then of course the backs. We've got to look at CEH. So Uh, obviously trying to work back from the IR. And then when they asked Andy Reid Austin if CH would rest another week, he's like, there's a chance we would do that. And then everybody's blowing that up like, oh, they're saying they're going to rest. him." I mean, I don't know if it matters at this point for them. They are able to plug in guys when they need to uh, in this offense. But I think that was taken a little bit out of context. Let's see how the practice reports shake out for CH. I think they want to see what's going to happen. But if he doesn't go, Darrell Williams, I mean, he's coming off his best game last week, only 11 of 43 on the ground. but. Austin, nine of nine receiving 101 Dude, yards one.
1: and a touchdown. Oh, my God. Right. And like, he, yeah, Mahomes will go to him. Down the field, close up, wherever.
0: Like I said, I think we saw our get right game. And what happened? They threw the backs a ton. And if they start to do that again, I think this is a good shot for CEH when he gets back to be kind of in league-winning form there. Uh again, this offense simplified. If CH misses, Williams is a borderline one RB one or one RB two because of the state of the running back position right now. Obviously, CPAT who's an RB1 might not go tonight. All these different things that are going on. So I really like. Uh, the outlook for either back, depending on who starts. However, you know, Dallas been bottom five against the run. We don't care again in this matchup just because of the environment. All right. We're going to talk about the Sunday night football game, Austin, and it's live from Los Angeles. It's a 47 and a half point over under the Pittsburgh Steelers traveling to LA as six point underdogs here. But if you like fresh fantasy football content, make sure you hit that subscribe button over on the YouTube channel. You like the video on your way in and Help us grow the channel as we look to get over 3,000 subscribers by the end of the year. Help us do that, Whisper Nation. Austin, mm-hmm. Najee Harris for the Pittsburgh Steelers remains to be the the focal point of this offense, and he's in a good spot here.
1: Dude, I just love the whole Najee Harris storyline. Love watching him play. Love all of his sound bites. Love that he is a part of our world now. I said it last week that we saw his efficiency start to struggle in weeks eight and nine with sub four yards per carry and just 2.82 two weeks ago. But I said then it didn't matter for the recommendations coming up, and it proved that it shouldn't matter. He just bossed out last week with a season-high 26 carries, uh, added four more touches there through the air for additional additional yardage and 30 total touches. Like, this guy is a top-five halfback, uh, top-four there in PPR. And enjoy the ride. Enjoy the show. Choo-choo, let's go. I love it. I absolutely love it. I wanted to talk
0: a little bit about our other guy that we've been having a lot of fun with, Fryermouth. Pat Fryermouth. Yeah. The Muth, baby! Uh, mm-hmm. It was a rough game for the Muth last week. Uh, he saw his worst yardage output since the Juju injury. He also lost a crucial fumble in overtime. Uh, was but he did, yeah ball was loose! loose. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't good, dude. Uh, he did see his highest target total on the year, though, Austin, awesome. yeah. 19 nine targets. Uh, Regardless of the QB, I'm comfortable rolling with Muth here because we might see, uh, by the time you're seeing this, you'll you'll probably know, but we might see Mason Rudolph again depending on what happens with Big Ben, but I don't care. We're rolling Muth out there. we obviously don't care about Najee Harris Uh, in that situation. We're going to continue to roll him out there. Um, This is a good spot for Pat Friermuth to shake off last week. The Chargers defense allowing the fifth most points per game to the position, so giddy up there. Austin, uh, as far as the wide receivers, I don't know if Claypool is going to make it. If he right. does make it back, we'll see. But what do you think about Ray-Ray McLeod outside of Deontay? We know Deontay their
1: guy, but what about that secondary piece? Yeah, last week, Ray-Ray McLeod was a bit loud in the what box score there. I know, right? Nine catches on 12 targets, just 63 yards, but I really like that volume that was coming his way. Uh, McLeod wound up second on the team in receiving. Set a career high in targets, catches, and yardage. Love that, but Claypool was out, and that is going to be a major factor to monitor if you're considering Ray Ray McLeod. Um, even on this Mondo vol- Mondo volume, just 63 yards, as mentioned, Claypool eats into that at all, and and McLeod is off of the consideration level. Claypool is on track to come back, but you got to stay tuned. Um, McLeod would be in my flex appeal, but not if if Claypool. Returns at all? Would Claypool be in your flex appeal if he goes? Dude, I wanted him to so bad, yeah, and like, it, it, you know, but it, it, it's just not happening. He's hurt. He's banged up. Weird stuff happens. Don't be surprised if you see a pop game or two from Claypool the rest of the year. But he's 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 got a he's got big cracks in his game and his health, and you never know when you're gonna fall through one of them. Absolutely. On the other side of the ball, we've got some really good wide
0: receivers as well that we're happy about, but the mm-hmm. inconsistency has abounded for our guy, Big Mike Williams, and obviously Keenan Allen has been the consistent one. We'll start with Keenan Allen. We obviously know we're, we're starting him. The wide receiver, 14 in PPR. Allen belongs in our lineup as the most consistent piece in the Chargers offense. Despite the team's recent struggles, Allen has seen no less than 17 PPR points per game since the week seven bye, so we're really loving Allen. We look at BM, BMW. This is really awesome. Austin, this has been a microcosm of his career, right? His entire career has been this way. Flashes of brilliance, up and down output, and then him him being injured off and on. And according to beat writer Gilbert Manzano, BMW is still dealing with new swelling that showed up after week four. Mm -hmm. And so this is something that could account for what has been going on with our guy BMW. Since then, he has not cracked eight PPR points, and he can be faded until healthy in the tougher matchups now last week we talked about this it wasn't a tough matchup but he dropped a touchdown it would have made his day you would have been happy with the outpoint output this is not a bad matchup and i wouldn't be benching bmw here in most formats against pittsburgh they've given up the six most touchdowns to enemy wide receivers and just over 23 points per game so yes the knee swelling's there yes he's going to be more inconsistent than he was to start the year but i think we can roll him out in these in these big matchups here austin what is the deal
1: though with our guy justin herbert inconsistent man number seven quarterback overall you know that's that's fine not even out of the realm of expectation there's probably six quarterbacks that went above justin herbert in your draft but his big games are enormous and somewhat disguising his lower outputs three three games of 35 plus points and one of those was a 50 burger and six point passing touchdown leagues um, but five games under 20 points. And I don't know about you, but for a streaming quarterback, I hope my guy, I try to target a guy that I think can get me 20 points. And Justin Herbert is not a streaming quarterback. He's he's a he's a starter that you're excited about, we've said, and he's had five games thus far of under 20 points. This week, Steelers defense, he's facing our middle of the road. Herbert's not a must start for me any single week, Um, but he's got heavy consideration every single week. And this week, I I'm having trouble finding a reason not to encourage starting him. I know there could be better options and you should obviously analyze your roster every single week, never get complacent with what you could do. I'd be giving real consideration to who I would start above Justin Herbert. There's there, there could be an option, but, but, Justin Herbert's still a dude. He's still got huge upside, and this matchup looks pretty nice on paper. Do you have any gut takes on that one, Trevi?
0: Yeah, this one's tough. I think it would come down to matchups, but I was just going to ask you between three guys that were in similar boats on, Joe Burrow, Aaron Rodgers, and Justin Herbert. And I think all three of these guys are guys with weapons on their offense, can get there and show us big games but have some consistency issues here. I think with the weather turning in Green Bay, the toe issue, and then, you know, with some of those things, and then obviously the Aaron Jones injury, that kind of uh, hurts our Aaron Rodgers outlook for the rest of the season. So I guess – I'm probably going with Burrow. He's shown the most consistency for the multiple touchdown games. His offense seems to be the healthiest all the way across the board. And I think he's got the better. Then I would go Herbert and then Rogers. And I think that hurts me a little bit, but I do think Herbert's got, again, more weapons on the outside to get it done in these games and more. And, and the, honestly, more ability to want to the Rock, The Packers are in control of a lot more games, right. than these other two teams, right? I am in lockstep with your analysis. All right. We're moving on to our final matchup of the game. It's the Monday night football matchup where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are hosting the New York football giants in a 49 and point over under with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers favored by 11, but we would be in your favor or you would be in our favor. If you hit that subscribe button over on the YouTube channel and help us grow the channel over 3000 subscribers, give this video a like on your way in as well. Help it get to over a hundred likes as you watch this Monday night football breakdown. Austin, we start on the New York football Giants side of the ball, and I had to ask you again because it seems to be this wheel of health for the wide receivers with the Giants oh. and who
1: is going to play and if we can trust any of them. Uh, I, I can't trust any of these wide receivers, Travis, because I don't trust the New York Giants. It's right. it, Galladay, Shepard, Tony are all likely to play they're all working through various ailments um, and have all had excitement tied to their name for their respective reasons this season. But nobody has been consistent. Nobody's been consistently healthy or consistently performed to the tune of back-to-back double-digit days. All of these players have upside in what should be a decent line, but their floor is sub three points apiece no matter what the matchup is. Like Daniel Jones, the Giants, the front coaching team, these wide receivers themselves, like everybody's a little bit strange, It could just fall through at any point and it could be falling through for metrics that are like, why is this happening? It's like, because these guys are, it's just a weird situation.
0: I'm going to ask you something in my league of rec in league of record. I'm gonna get a little selfish here on the show. I've got Kenny Galladay in the flex. I picked up Christian Kirk, Christian Kirk without Kyler. Would you play Christian Kirk over Kenny Galladay without Kyler?
1: I would. I, I think, would. The only I, reason I the only reason great, I play Galladay is because it's it's Kenny Galladay. It's a name. Yeah. yeah. It's a story that I've been attached to. But if I take a look, it's season think- alone. It's it's Kirk.
0: And I think it's the same way with like Tony. We like Tony because of flashes, but we don't really know that that's going to stick right now. And it has to do a lot with Daniel Jones, who I'll just break down. Look, I know that Daniel Jones has upside. I know just like I know this team has upside, but he has failed to clear 17 fantasy points since week four, and he has seven or fewer fantasy points in three of his last five games. There's just absolutely no way you can convince me to plug my nose and play Daniel Jones, even in a matchup against Tampa Bay, where they will be forced to throw the ball. But Austin, maybe the biggest storyline and the most hope that any Giants fan would have is the return of Saquon Barkley yeah. possibly
1: in this matchup. Yeah, you hope that you have Devontae Booker if you've also drafted Saquon Barkley in the first or maybe you got lucky and fell into the second round. Um because we are still dealing in a world full of question marks and optimism. Saquon Barkley dealing with that ankle, as you mentioned, he was limited in Thursday's practice. That's the day we're recording the show, Mm -hmm. Uh, working his way back from an injury that kept him out since week five. That's some serious time he's missed. Uh, We're dealing again in that world of optimism. It's not certainty. And Monday's kickoff makes this decision a little bit Mm -hmm. tough. If he starts, I am going to start him. There's no reason for the Giants to get him in, given their sub 500 record and all indications of how the season is going to finish, um, so they don't have any reason to rush him back. So that means if he is in, I believe he's healthy or or not at risk of reaggravation anymore.
0: If we don't know, Austin, and we have like a game-time decision, that's what's being reported on Sunday, let's say Saturday, and I hate to put you in this kind of weird situation, but like do would it. we start a healthy Miles Sanders? Would we start a presumably healthy CEH that could be – some of these guys that could come back into lightened workload over
1: rolling the dice on a Saquon Barkley if we don't have Booker? You know, you you have to take a real look and think about what you think his probability of playing is. He's missed a lot of time and I don't know why they would rush him back. And if he's on the leaning no side, then he's going to have zero points for yeah. you. And if you don't have Booker, then your only other option on Monday would be to start a Tampa Bay running back. And you, if you don't have Leonard Fournette, maybe Ronald Jones is on the waiver, but he's not an exciting pickup, nor is Giovanni Bernard. Right. So because of that, I... And we know if, if we like we knew Miles Sanders was playing, I would take the guaranteed work um, at the expense of like a presumed upside, which we're not even totally sure of what Saquon would bring to the table in his first game back.
0: Yeah, hopefully by the time you guys see this, you've looked at the practice reports, you know where Saquon Barkley is, uh, see or hear this. That is, you know where he is and you know who to start uh, at that point in your weekly matchup. On the other side of the ball, we have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Austin, and we have Leonard Fournette in a. Pretty nice spot here as heavy home favorites. Mm, He's had a couple down weeks or up and down weeks, I should say. Um, How are we feeling about Lombardi Lenny here?
1: Up and down weeks for Leonard Fournette, up and down weeks for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, just overall, right? Uh, I still believe in the talent of Leonard Fournette, and I believe in the team of Leonard Fournette, despite the down game from all parties last week. He's getting all of the groundwork. We talked about that game being a down week. Uh, He had 11 carries. Not amazing. Not bad, though, in this day and age. What you do like is, though, Giovanni... Bernard had one carry and that's all the other carries that were totally had. And this was a world that had like, when it started the season off, Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones, and Gio were supposed to like evenly eat into this into this committee. That's not the way it works. It's Leonard Fournette's backfield, and until it evens out and changes tune, he's going to be in my lineup every single game. I don't care if they're going up against like a literal fortress. It's like him- I
0: love how you're like you like uh, you like the 11 carries in this in this climate, or in you know in this economy. Yeah, uh, would you take 11 carries? Yeah. I, I would take 11 carries in this. I, I I agree with you. I think Fournette is again one of these guys poised for a big second half as well because we've just seen the volume for him and even in the passing game you remember they picked up geo right geo was going to be this pass catching back for them and he ended up you know it ended up being four net this whole time so that's the situation we're at here all right uh, moving on to tom brady obviously he's had some up and down weeks but he still remains the qb2 and the giants don't scare me in this one tom, tom Brady's going to have really really going to be trying to get the taste out of his mouth again you know after that washington football team Game and he's playing against a team that's beat him in the Super Bowl twice. So, you know, Brady's going to be a little bit extra for this one. Uh, I want to talk about his pass catchers here. Obviously, Gronk dealing with the back situation. I think I'd be trying to pick up Evan Ingram if we knew that Gronk. So if we get here by Friday and, you know, there's a situation where Gronk could be a game time call. Try and scoop up Evan Ingram to play him in backup of Gronk if they think it's really close. Otherwise, I'd be looking somewhere else uh, as a streamer in the week. In there, as as far as their pass catchers are concerned, t- uh, touchdown dependent Mike Evans continues to be without A. B. or Gronk, and he continues to be the big play guy. He scored seven touchdowns in his last five games. We look at Godwin; he's limited this week again with the same foot that he was limited with and played in last week, but he still managed eight targets and twelve PPR points. So we like that. This offense um, makes him a must play for me, him and Mike Evans, no matter what goes on. Even with the Giants being middle of the road, so A. B. now has a new situation where he's got. Got an old chef saying that he used a fake vaccine card. He's got his lawyer saying that he didn't.
1: Uh, Obviously, we're fading AB until he's confirmed that he started and we'll play. And as of right now, we just got the notification of the statement. Officially released by the Buccaneers. It's a short one. Uh, it reads, after an extensive educational process conducted throughout our organization this past off season, highlighting the benefits of the COVID-19 vaccines, we received completed vaccination cards from all Tampa Bay Buccaneers players and submitted the required information to the NFL through the established process in accordance with league policy. All vaccination cards were reviewed by Buccaneers personnel and no irregularities were observed. This doesn't say that Antonio Brown did or did not lie. It says they did their due diligence. And yeah, they moved, they, moved they're along.
0: covering their arses here in this situation, saying, look, mm-hmm. we collected the cards. If you guys approved them and and said they're good, then you're good. It's on the NFL. Again, these vaccination cards, Austin, we know they're not, like, set in stone. They're not not easily forgeable at this point.
1: So, I, don't, I, uh, I mean, are, they kind of are, though. Like, I don't know. I wonder how much they are looking at it. This might be the tip of the iceberg, because this whole thing yeah. started off in a world that was different. and. Right that we'll, I'm, we'll, I'm sure this isn't the last storyline related to this exactly. in some way. Exactly, and at this point,
0: unless they say AB's good to go uh, by Sunday, basically, when you're starting your other players, that and then I, I'd be fading for the other guys in this one um, and similar to what we said there. But that does it for us, and part two of the week – uh, week 11 matchup show uh, if you want part one if you want any more matchup advice make sure you're getting over to spotify wherever you get your your podcasts as well if you subscribe over on patreon you get the full video of this show as well and it's you can win a jersey i mean it's an amazing place to be it's in a community you want to be a part of if you still have lineup questions tune in on sunday for youtube we'd go live an hour and a half before kickoff and we also have our rankings up on the website you can solve all your conundrums as well for austin Seer. I'm Big Travy. We're the Fancy Whispers. We're out of here. Peace. Peace.